Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. On the show this week, I've got John Dickinson. He's a motion designer, he's a trainer and presenter. He's so well respected throughout the industry for After Effects Cinema 4D, but fundamentally motion design. John has put out so much content that we reflect back on. He's enabled a generation of motion designers coming up through the ranks, and I'd love to say thank you to him personally for coming on the show. So thank you, John, for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Blair. I appreciate it. You make me feel so old. <laughs> the problem is that um, the most well-known people in this industry are still very young because it's such a young industry. No, not old, but um, definitely a leader. There's so much we can discuss. I think that MotionWorks as a website is it started out as a blog, but it's become such a valuable resource because the type of content that you have on your site, you've got training content, tutorials, experiments, interviews, projects. It's a wealth of resources. <laughs> yeah, it's been there for a while. I've just um, tried to explore different areas um, that are relevant to you know motion design artists, areas that I found interesting. Yeah, you're right. It did start out as a blog, and it's funny. Saying the word blog seems so retro now, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, people don't really talk about blogging. It's like it was probably ten years ago. My wife introduced me to blogging. I was thinking, I was saying out loud, you know, I've got to get a website. What am I going to do? And she said, Have you heard about blogs? And I'm like, No, nah, no. Nah. I don't know what that what that rubbish is. And of course, you know, I always um, listen to the wife. That's what you learn from that. Um, but the blog, uh, you know, grew, and. Uh, I have to say these days it's much harder to, you know, you realize that anyone who set up a blog realizes how difficult it is to maintain a blog, you know, to really, the top blogs really have content, regular content all the time. But I don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't go and visit any blogs anymore. Um, even the ones that are being updated, it's just not the way I get my information anymore. No, I find that... Um I use Feedly, which basically feeds all these RSS from websites. So you you get the ability to kind of skim over and go, "Ooh, yeah. that looks good. Let's deep dive into that for a little bit." Yeah. Well, it's funny too because I've I've I, I reckon even RSS sounds retro. <laughs> yeah. I I do all of my uh, searching online through my morning Twitter feed. Mm. Yeah, you know, I just follow follow a certain amount of people who follow a certain amount of people. And every morning, take you know, probably half an hour, check out the feed, click on the stuff that I like, put it into my likes column, eventually find some time to get around to looking at it, you know, tutorials and just interesting things. Um, just scan through it that way and sift through it. And, uh, you know, I, I keep that as a backup for when I have time to sort of do a bit of exploration. But actually going and sitting and reading blogs, I know people used to do blog, blog posts and long blog posts with lots of text and you know, I'd just never be able to get through any of that stuff. No, and social media has really changed the way we um, feed on thoughts and knowledge. It's it's a real hook of a top line. And then the content, it really has to get to the point quickly, be concise. Yeah. 140 characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I suppose um, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it is really really having the people that you follow that you trust giving you the key points because you know nobody's going to digest the whole of the internet <laughs> no and it's also um following people that i like to follow people that get to the point you know I, I just don't have time to follow um 
people who tend to ramble. I just don't. I just need to get the info quickly. Um, and uh, it's got to be info that's relevant to what I'm looking for. I don't use social media for, for social socializing, although my, my social group is on social media. I mean, they're, all, they're all motion graphics artists and all the friends that I've made around the world. So it is my way of socializing, but I don't do it for social things. It's all about the content, all about motion graphics, all about you know sharing the passion for, uh, for this industry. And getting back to the website, that's why I had the website. It was to signpost me and to get my name out on the internet. But also, ever since I started doing this sort of stuff, I always wanted to teach it. And it's funny, I can tell you a, a quick story about how I got into teaching. I started using After Effects back in the very early 90s. Probably my first project was like 1996, I think, was the first project. And uh, uh, during that time, I was doing a desktop publishing course at the Computer Graphics College in Sydney and uh, learning Quark Express and Photoshop 3 and uh, Illustrator, I think. Freehand. Microsoft Word Illustrator was the first piece of software I ever learned how to use. And I uh, still, still like using it. <laughs> um, but then I transitioned across to video. It was, it was the multimedia boom. CD-ROM was all happening. Desktop publishing. Um, sorry, desktop video was just starting to come to the fore. Things like Media 100 versus Avid. And we spent a lot of money on, on an Avid and got this program called After Effects. And Having done Photoshop on Illustrator, then seeing how you can do things in motion, it's like most people who get into motion graphics, when they see things in motion, it sort of excites them. And uh, I took some stuff that I built in After Effects back to the Computer Graphics College a few months later, and they said, oh, this is really good. Can you teach it? And I've had some teaching experience actually teaching martial arts years before. I said, yeah, sure. And I started to develop a course and did some training, um, TAFE training, Certificate 3 and work-based training through the college and uh, started teaching that way. So then that led to a website and then tutorials became popular online and it sort of you know, snowballed from there. It's, um, it's really interesting to hear from you where you started out because I was only a few years after where you were. So I think it was around um, 99 that I first discovered After Effects. And um, back then, every version was monumental and the developments that was happening because people oh, were like, yeah. wow, you've got keyframes and layers, you know, Photoshop is like, wow, layers. And so, you know, That's the right. next generation has it so much easier because of the advancements the software is making. But what I really love about the content and the training that you have on MotionWorks is that it's, it's fundamental to skill sets of motion design it's like looking at making it look great at 11 the fundamentals of hard modeling surfaces it really doesn't matter about the tools it's about the approach and once you get that down you can really apply it to anything because the fundamentals Absolutely. are the same it is definitely a way to teach and a way not to teach i've my approach and i don't do all of the uh, the titles for making it look great obviously i um I uh, enlist the help of some very skilled artists from around the world. But obviously, I am the one that approves the training. And my training and the training that I approve has to be very clear, has to be uh, on point. There's no rambling, you know, generally no comedy. Um, and it has to make it easy. This is the way I've always structured my training. When I first started, I, I didn't have a unique degree. I didn't even go to university. I bombed out of high school. Uh, and I found this stuff very difficult to learn. And I even like trying to learn 3D back in the 90s, 
there was no online training, um, and everyone assumed that you already understood the concepts. You know, you dive deep into it, and it's like you were just lost. You just drowned in 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 techno babble, and uh, then slowly but surely, you know, things became more uh, more simple. And I just have to shout out for Nick Campbell because Nick and Grayscale Gorilla. That's my way of teaching. You know, this is the way I've always tried to do it. make it simple. It's okay to make mistakes. And I've always tried to make my training really approachable. And it's just basically me working out how to do something and then teaching it in a more simple way. So I've done the hard work and then I've sort of filtered it through my understanding and used my skills as a teacher to try and make that easier to understand. And that goes for making it look great 11 with Toby. He's such a great teacher as well. And uh, it certainly made... Um, uh, for me as well, made uh, the approach to modeling much more much more simple. Yeah, all the titles are really well respected throughout the industry and um, the guys from Brograph interviewed them and they had big shout outs for you and the impact <laughs> that you had on for them and they just love the titles that um, MotionWorks are producing with Make It Look Great. Well, yeah, that's, that's I wish I could produce more but it's just like a one-man band, you know. Um, and uh, it's just not as easy to, uh, to sort of get these things planned and executed um, as it might be if there was a big team. But uh, we're still looking at doing more, but it just takes a bit of time. Doing long-form training, I mean, Toby recorded 24 hours of training for making it look grade 11. And it's not like he just started at the beginning and then recorded to the end. He would redo um, recording based on my suggestions and also on him developing it and then realizing there was a better way to explain it and so we'd come back and come back and come back and it took it took took months to develop that but i knew we were on a good thing because i was i was learning things from the stuff that he was teaching that um i just couldn't find online especially i mean for modeling in general but especially for cinema 4d modeling yeah um, but yeah the training does take uh, you know good training does take a long time to develop unless you're a lynda.com or you know you're set up for it fully appreciate that it's um and the industry wants that top quality so there's just a massive content out there like and, yeah, and everyone thinks they can do a tutorial right <laughs> i mean it, i mean i it's not my place to criticize anyone who wants to tend to take the time to teach and i think uh, hats off to anyone who does that a few little suggestions out there you know that i can send out there to anyone who's thinking of doing a tutorial don't put background music in drives me mad okay I mean, you might like the song but that doesn't mean everybody else does it's like it's like the guy who on the bus the bus driver who plays the radio in the morning he might like it but you know yeah. 150 people on the bus can't stand it well, i'm one of them anyway um, so don't put music on your tutorials um keep the comedy to a minimum okay not everyone's an andrew kramer andrew can put in subtle you know sort of dark humor into his tutorials and he does it you know, so skillfully, but there's no sense trying to make jokes. So you're a, you're a stand-up comedian or are you a trainer? So keep the comedy out, keep the music down, keep it precise, uh, use a good microphone and, uh, you know, speak up and have something interesting to teach. Then you yeah. can do a good tutorial. Yeah, and I think um, plan what you're doing. Uh, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, plan. That's actually a good, <laughs> good point actually because when I very first started, here's my history of tutorials, right? I first, I did my very first tutorial for Zaxworks 
Zach Stow is a very good friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years, and uh, he's been a, such a great mentor. He was the person who really started me on my tutorial journey, and he, I got, a, I did a few tutorials for him for 3D Invigorator, and I was so uncomfortable in the microphone. I was at the stage still where you hear your own voice through the headphones, and your voice sounds really high because you're not used to you, you know, you're not used to your voice. Yeah. Try and learn a language. The best way to, to get used to your voice is to hear your voice played back when you're learning a language or do tutorials, of course, because I'm so comfortable with my own voice now when I hear it back. So many people hate that. Um, so Zach's got me started and I was so nervous when I was doing, when I was doing the recording because I was, I was literally writing a script, recording the script, and then trying to match the moves to the audio on the screen. Of course, I couldn't keep up and it was taking forever. But also he was saying how the US audience might not understand some of my accent. So I was trying to change, trying to change my <laughs> accent to some of the word. And it was, yeah, it was a train wreck. And I've probably still got this tutorial somewhere. I probably sound terrible if I listen back on them. But uh, everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's completely right. And um I, I myself hated hearing my own voice and for years I would avoid anything where I had to, to do it. Um, I make a lot of commercials, so guide tracks for just timing throughout a spot is where it started. And like anything, it's it's you, you get over it and, and that's the same with making any type of content. Um, you're going to break some eggs, so might as well get into it as fast as possible and make the mistakes you're going to. And I like the term, I kind of coined it myself, run at your mistakes, get through them as, as fast as you can. Mm. Because that's where the real learning happens by Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. And I just want to add a couple more things to actually recording tutorials. These days, and I still don't think I'm, I'm a master tutorial creator. I think I'm comfortable in my own skin and I have a certain presentation style and I keep to that style, you know, way of, uh, a way of speaking and speaking clearly, um, but um, you uh, it takes um, it takes practice, and um, you need to get comfortable in the developing your own style. Um, but uh, some people can literally open the software and talk. You know, Tim Clapham, what a champion! Yeah, Tim knows Cinema 4D inside out, and Tim can run rings around me as far as, you know, sitting in front of it and just recording. I have to literally section mine off. I have my, my script on the other screen, I have bullet points, and I record a section, then I'll pause, and I'll leave the mouse stationary, and then I'll collect my thoughts, and then I'll start again, and I'll cut the edit points out, and it looks really smooth, and it's the way I do it. But some people can just just record, and it, I reckon that's a real skill. Yeah, there's a... Uh many ways to skin a cat as they would say yeah that's right, that's right. If, it, if, it, if it looks right it is right yeah. <laughs> and uh we had tim i had tim on the show not that long ago and we were talking about his um tutorials and i see that um just as he's got some of your titles on his site you've got um his titles on your site and there's that real uh collaboration of what you're presenting to the market well that's right because tim and i've known each other for uh, a number of years and Tim first got started with tutorials pretty much, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, at FX PhD. And I do remember speaking to John Montgomery at FX PhD, and he asked me if I'd be interested in doing some Cinema 4D training, and I was just a beginner. Uh, and I was, I was well known enough in the industry 
to make to have that make sense to do training for them. But I was just a beginner. I remember Tim took that role, and you know the rest is history because he's done multiple sessions for them, multiple classes, um, and he's grown so much since then. We did making it look great seven together. I remember meeting with Tim at Foxtel. We had a um, had lunch there, and we talked about him doing a training title with me. He did six and seven actually, and this was way before Tim sort of thought about doing his own uh, his own shop and his own titles. He has the Learn title now of the Learn series, and of course, you know he's he's run with it and he's going great guns. But it makes sense for us to to sell each other's titles. Yeah, definitely. And what you have on your site is a number of products that can help um, motion designers uh, get get the work done really quickly, fast, looking great. And I'm thinking specifically um, the um, movie type one and two. So movie yep. type um, is Cinema 4D presets that have some easy interactive sliders that just allow you to do what would take a lot of a bit a lot of knowledge really to get a great looking um, type out of Cinema 4D, where you've created presets that enable you to do that quickly and easily. Absolutely, Movie Type was developed um, uh, originally a number of years ago. Now it's a collaboration between Brett Morris and myself. And uh, shout out to Brett because uh, I work with Brett at Foxtel, and um, he's gone, you know skyrocketed way past that since then and become a can become a you know a force in in motion graphics and teaching in his own right in the industry now um but we started movie type a number of years ago and the idea was that we both worked for foxtel and we worked for the um on demand department and we did a lot of basically all day we did trailers for movies and we did uh, promos for movies and i remember being uh uh out um one saturday morning just having a coffee and it occurred to me that um, what would be great is if we created some presets because I'm always looking for opportunities to create products and I thought what about doing some presets for Cinema 4D, the type presets and spoke to Brett on Skype that morning. I remember exactly where I was and uh, originally we thought, yep, we'll just create a whole bunch of MoGraph type presets, you know, you know slam down text and all different kinds of uh, usage of you know the MoGraph effectors to make it easier for people just to type their text in and and render it out but Brett comes in with a with a uh, you know a much higher knowledge of Expresso than I I have and uh, he started sort of making this more sort of tools using Expresso that allow the user not only to you know just create the preset what what it actually did was we didn't supply necessarily just the presets but we just supplied a series of Expresso tools that allowed people to create their own presets. Yep. Uh, and that's what MovieType was. And then MovieType 2 came out um, probably about two years ago now. And uh, we added a whole bunch of other things, a dust tool and a background tool. And we'll have to start looking at it again soon and seeing what else we can add. Because uh, I spent a lot of time, where Brett spent a lot of time doing the coding and building the tools, I spent a lot of time creating the presets. So I got really good at creating different type looks different sort of type animations and we ended up doing a version for element 3d which is quite popular as well awesome and the the presets and the tools that really stand out are the ones that allow you to manipulate it to make it your own and that's oh, that's what absolutely yeah i mean everyone everyone you know who's doing this for for work wants to work fast and wants to look wants to look great uh and sometimes when we're all 
I don't, we all use presets, we all will drop them in and type them in, but if you have any kind of motion design uh, experience or uh, you know any kind of artist in you at all, you'll look at it and think, how can I modify that to fit what I'm working with or how can I use that as a part to save me a bit of time to further enhance what I'm building or the, or, you know, the look that I'm creating. You don't, you don't just type in a preset and render it out. Yeah, definitely. I always um, know that I'm having a really good interview when I when I'm constantly thinking, oh, I want to segue over here. <laughs> and as we've been talking, <laughs> I've had that thought so many times because um, you've been talking about Tim and also Brett Morris and that just like um, Brett's just been announced for Node and you were announced for Node yeah. as, the, as a speaker as well. It's exciting because um, Brett and I actually haven't spoken at the same uh, conference well, technically we have because we both do NAB uh, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Um, but um, this time we'll both be on the same card. So uh, going to be exciting to see uh, uh, to see Brett again and also to be uh, you know on the same stage. For the listeners who don't know what NodeFest is, it's Australasia's first motion design festival and it's really aimed at motion design like no other festival. I suppose Blend is probably the closest that you could um, att- um, compare it to. And for Australasia, it's um, really for the whole world, it's a great opportunity to come and visit Australia, hear from mm. some great speakers and um, collaborate and connect with a really passionate group of motion designers. Yeah, right. That's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Because um, we haven't really had anything like this truly like this in Australia and so exciting to see, uh, yes, Captain pulling all this together. Uh, I wasn't able to do it last year because I was, I had a prior engagement, but, uh, this year I was totally, totally planning to do it. And the funny thing is I'd bought two tickets to see Midnight Oil and, uh, they were on the same date. And, uh, then I was offered to, to come and do this. And I said, no, I can sell those tickets because it's an opportunity for me to, to do what I do in front of a, a, a large audience of enthusiastic Australian motion designers. So who wouldn't want to take that? Yeah, as a Kiwi, I, I can appreciate how how much that means for an Australian to turn down seeing Midnight Oil and New Zealand <laughs> designers too. I should say so. Yeah, yeah. Know, but, you know, but actually, it's not as bad as it sounds because I actually bought a ticket for October. The, the October. Um, oh, sweet. Funny thing is, that when the Oils announced their um, world concert or their world tour, they uh, they were going to have the final final one at the final concert at um in sydney and i thought yeah got to go to the final one and then of course they announced more afterwards so <laughs> i thought okay we're going to go to that final one so i ended up getting tickets for both so it's not awesome. so bad awesome great lineup of speakers who have been announced already so um john dickinson of course brett morris <laughs> vera beta alan dixon Mike Tosetto, and I know of of another announcement, maybe more. So um, it's going to be a great lineup of speakers this year. And the thing is, this year is going to be a little bit different because I've been asked to do some After Effects. Well, I was asked to to do more sort of technical, uh, more techniques work. So rather than show, you know, show real and show and do a breakdown. So I, I immediately knew what I wanted to do. I'm going to be uh, showing. Uh, a whole bunch of um, After Effects tips and tricks. So, um, so the users, so the attendees won't just you know hear inspirational stories and see great work, but there'll certainly be some learning going on. 
Yeah, and it's such an intimate environment to attend as well where everybody's accessible, not only accessible, really open to talking. So yeah, it's it's quite different from the likes of a massive NAB where it's physically really hard to connect with people. Absolutely, yeah. I can't um, I can't wait for it. And it's, as I say, it's, it's an it's a Australasian audience, so it's going to be exciting to share that with, um, with a group of uh, Aussies and Kiwis. Yeah, um, I'm really close to a number of motion designers over here in New Zealand and everybody's getting the time off work and booking in with their managers and seeing if we can all stay at the same hotel. So <laughs> it's a big buzz over, over the ditch. If anyone's thinking of actually coming, I think you better get get your skates on. And uh, I don't know if tickets been announced yet, because uh, when they are, you better you better get in there and get a ticket because I think they're going to go pretty fast. Yeah, definitely. So I, I th- the topic of your presentation is right up my alley. After Effects, it's a, a tool that I started with really before mm. anything else, and there's always a different way to approach it or new techniques. Everybody picks up these things over time so I, yes. I have no doubt that you're going to have a treasure trove of content well it's funny because you know after 20 years using after effects uh, I mean, a lot of things have changed but a lot of things have stayed the same and there's techniques that i might use that i've been using for two decades that aren't, haven't really been talked about much for the last you know 20 years and uh there's it's, i was actually when i spoke um about doing the concert, uh, doing the concert. Yeah, I'm going to see. <laughs> when I spoke about doing the presentation, uh, I started taking notes because at the time I was freelancing and uh, using After Effects heavily, and I was just, you know, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, it's because what I'm doing is I'm actually, I use After Effects in a very specific way, and for me, it's always been about speed, shortcuts, ways of ways of working that you know make you much faster using After Effects. And I keep writing all these things down. So I've got a huge list of things that I do. I guess, I guess kind of best practice. There's certainly things that I probably don't do that I could do. But sort of best practice use of After Effects to really get the most out of it. You know, expressions, linking things together, uh, working, you know, different, working with different layouts, uh, just different ways of saving time. So my, my session... I think it's like 40 minutes, but I'm going to have to cram, absolutely cram stuff in. So people better uh, better bring their notebooks. <laughs> Excellent. So what else is on the cards for the rest of the year? Is there anything that um, you've got your eye on in the near future or the distant future that's really occupying your thoughts at the moment? Well, I've been, uh, for the last couple of months, I've been working uh, on... Um, I guess I can say this now. I've been doing a whole bunch of After Effects templates for motion graphics templates for Adobe. And uh, it was actually a real challenge because um, I ended up doing 60 templates and none of them are related to one another. So I had to come up with 60 different designs. And this is lower thirds, full frame supers, uh, overlays, backgrounds, transitions. And uh, it took me a good eight weeks to do 60 because I don't know if anybody's um, spending much time in the essential graphics panel in After Effects, but it's actually a really useful tool. When you're working in After Effects, you using the essential graphics panel, it can save you a lot of time for when you have to make changes to, to the compositions. But if you're using it to create motion graphic templates for Premiere, uh, you need to consider how you're 
constructing your composition and what elements the Premiere Pro user is going to find useful and will want to modify. So I was having to design these looks in HD with you know multiple layers and compositions and After Effects, but while I was doing it, considering how the Premiere Pro user is going to use that, and I was learning new expressions and how to link things up, and I was deep, deep, deep in After Effects for like for like eight weeks, and uh, learned a, learned a lot about um, uh, how to fast track you know, uh, template creation and how to um, streamline the creation using uh, using uh, expressions. And uh, certainly took a few notes for the uh, for the node presentation as well. Awesome. But so I've been doing that, and I'm going to start doing a little bit more of that over the next couple of weeks. Um, got a bunch of freelance work coming up, and uh, been doing a lot of um, modeling of my own. You know, because I'm very excited about uh, modeling. It's one of the things that I could probably do full time if I had to do one thing in anything to do with motion graphic and 3D. It would be modeling. I just I just love modeling. Yeah. So essential graphics, those templates, are they going to be available through Adobe or are they going to be available through MotionWorks? I'll be available through Adobe. Awesome. Yeah. That's, through that's, Adobe Stock. So um, wow. very excited about that. And uh, I'm going to do a whole bunch of um, my own as well, which I'll probably sell through Adobe Stock as well. So I haven't really gotten into my, my template creation in the past, um, but uh, now that I've got a bit of time as a freelancer, because I've only been a freelancer for a short time, you know, when there's that time between jobs, it's a good idea to sort of fill it up with, uh, you know, content creation. Yeah. Certainly, it's a good idea to fill it up with content that you can sell. And I have to give a shout out for Adobe Stock because Adobe Stock are looking for other motion graphics designers to create motion graphics templates. So, if you're uh, if you're interested in, you know, selling them through Adobe Stock and gaining a bit of um, bit of coin, certainly look out for um, Adobe stock you probably follow them on um on twitter and you can find some information yeah excellent um the essential graphics panel that was released um in the 2017 release of uh pro video for adobe the thing i think it's the first step and so there is a lot of need for expressions to get things into that um, yes. essential graphics panel to make it accessible that's right, because you can only you can only use a certain number of parameters at the moment. But remember, it was originally designed, well, initially designed to create templates for Premiere Pro. That's what it's designed for. But me as an After Effects user who wants to speed up my workflow, realized very quickly that if I just drag things into it, it's a really quick way to, to be able to access, you know, colors to change and, you know, um, check boxes and a bunch of stuff that... that Currently, the effects, the essential graphics panel can understand, but for the things that it doesn't actually recognize, you need to sort of, you know, filter that through expressions. And this is what I was saying. I was learning some new expressions and uh, and a way of uh, you know, inter integrating that into the essential graphics workflow. So it's a little bit clunky in some respects, um, but I'm really hoping that Adobe takes it to the next level. And I'd, I mean, I'd like to literally. The, the whole idea of creating, uh, you know, a, a null layer in your in your project that has a whole bunch of expressions that make uh, modifying and updating the project faster, it's always been a great workflow. But the problem is you've got to set it up, you know, and do you do that as you're working? 
and if you do it as you're working, what if the project changes and, you know, or do you do it when you finish the project? Is it going to take too long or will I have enough time? I personally think you should sort of set that stuff up as you're going. I had a project the other day where I was pretty sure the client was going to change the color because it hadn't been, hadn't been finalized. So I actually dragged all of the colors into the essential graphics panel. Um, and uh, at the very end, you know, client came back, oh, I've got to change the color. All I have to do is click on a few swatches and the whole project updated. And you could do that fundamentally through expressions in the past, but the essential graphics panel just makes it faster. If you can just drag it into that panel and not have to type in any expressions, the, the more Adobe can integrate that and the more um, settings and parameters that you can just drop in there, the better, because that's just going to make it, you literally, you'll be, you won't be thinking about, well, when, I will, when will I have time to uh, you know, create this panel? When will I have time to populate this? You won't be doing that. You'll be going, oh, I'm going to use that color. Okay, just drop that in there. Okay, I'm going to animate the position. I probably want to update that later. Just drop it in there. So literally, you're building this great list of parameters that you have full access to in your main comp. Even if the comps are buried, you know, really deep, you've got access to it right there at your fingertips, and you can make those changes just like that. Yeah, and for a long time, a lot of us who have had comps that are templates that we're changing out all the time. We'd have layers with markers and little bits and notes throughout so that we could identify or if someone else needed to pick it up, you'd say, here's the main price to change. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and this just um, means that everybody's got one panel to set up for either themselves in the future, like you with that project, or for other people in your team to easily identify what they need to change out. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's having it there for you, because I don't know about you, but I've opened up projects from the past and looked at it and gone, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, how did I do that? There must uh, be a quick turnaround also, yeah, job. for other uses, just... <laughs> Leaving little, you can leave comments in there, and just you know, literally leave a breadcrumb trail of everything that you need to uh, to successfully work with that project. So, in uh, developing some of these new expressions and things to get all this set up, would you have any recommendations for those who are interested in um, developing this area more? For yeah, finished high school, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of scripting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My son actually just—he's only ten. He just did a a weekend uh, coding for kids workshop. And uh, he uses a, a website called Scratch. I think it's called Scratch. And they literally just drag pieces of code and create games. I'm looking at it going, I have no idea what you're doing. You know, <laughs> I feel so old. Yeah. You literally got to start when you're 10 now. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's daunting, but it's so exciting. I think um, the worst thing you can do is procrastinate. If you've got an interest in it, just jump in and uh, get, your, get your feet wet. Absolutely, and I'm talking about expressions, right? The thing about expressions is, uh, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, when I type a little bit of an expression and it works, I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool, and I might have just gone multiplied by two. Hey, you know, you know, I've done something and it, it didn't it didn't fail. I even got an error message, so I get excited about little things with expressions. But um, for anything more complicated, then I, I you know, you got to know people. You got to know. You got to know the experts. You got to know the, um, you know, the Multanans and the um, the Harry Franks and all of the guys that literally just, they got that brain. So it's not necessarily about being able to write expressions, it's about knowing who to ask. And also, it's about understanding when to integrate expressions and when not to, you know, because sometimes it's faster to add a couple of keyframes. Don't try and, you know, spend half an hour, okay, if I use an expression here, 
just use a couple of keyframes, but have a list of expressions that you use. You know, use a use a Google Doc or something, and make it really accessible. And you know, I often use things like um, you know um, bounces and stuff like that. And I can never remember how to type it. Just copy and paste, copy and paste. Never disregard expressions because they are really, really useful. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier that you've not been long uh, been a freelancer. How's that been in, in transitioning from your previous jobs and how you work? Oh, yeah. Well, I was at Foxtel for 14 years. So when I very first started at Foxtel, I'd never worked in any other company other than my brothers. This was, you know, during the, we were using the Avid and the multimedia years and I had never actually worked for another company. So I, at the time uh, when I left that job, I didn't, didn't have any sort of reference to what it took to actually be in the industry. So I ended up just building a spec showreel of things that I thought looked interesting, literally looking at design books and going, oh, I'm going to copy that and, and, and building it in After Effects and, uh, I went for an interview for a job at, uh, this is like actually quite a good story because people ask me, how do you find work? At the time, I didn't have any idea about who to speak to. I didn't have any networks. And someone um, said that I should check out the, um, uh, what's the website? The, um, I got to think of it. Um, the website that advertises jobs, motion graphics jobs in Australia and, and in New Zealand. Uh, it'll come back to me in a sec, but I went to the website and I saw there was a, um, a post about a, a get together at uh, Fox studios. It was some presentation. I thought, well, I'll go there and I'll see if I can network. And, and at the, um, it's a digital laborers federation. That's the website, dlf.org. Oh yeah. And I follow the, the job feed and I went to the presentation and someone recognized my name. This was early promotion works, but someone recognized my name and they, they suggested um, that I um, – I've, I've got it backwards. Actually, I went to that presentation and someone suggested the DLF. So I, I found that presentation advertised somewhere. I went there. They recognized my name. They suggested the DLF. I went back that night, checked out the DLF, saw a job advertised at Foxtel, went to Foxtel. And I got the job as a senior designer. Um, based on that spec showreel that I'd put together. And then I, and I, and I remember leaving the, the interview buzzing, thinking, okay, I got the job. What am I going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to find me out. You know, they're going to find out that I'm a, I'm a phony. And literally every day for, for months, probably for a couple of years, when a job came in, I'd get butterflies in my stomach. Am I going to be able to do this? Is, do I have enough skills? But slowly but surely, you know, you're in the job, you start to get better at it. You're around other designers. You learn how to do it. 14 years I was at Foxtel, 14 years. And it was probably four years too long. I, uh, after, after 10 years, I probably could have jumped out and uh, started doing freelancing, uh, especially having motion works and that sort of thing. But um, I'm excited by the freelance. It, it's something I probably could have done a lot earlier. Uh, I think with freelance, you become more hungry. There's more of a hunter-gatherer attitude. You it gives you more opportunity to use a, a more diverse range of software. I'm using a lot more Mocha. I've just finished, um, well, last year I finished work on the graphics package for a TV show that's coming on the ABC in August. It's a cooking show and um, it's called, um, 
Shortcuts to Glory. And it's a cooking show for the for younger guys. So it's a bit, bit of fun. Um, it's Matt, Matt o- I'm not sure if I pronounced his name right, Matt o- Okine or Matt O-K-I-N-E. I think it's Okine. And he, uh, he goes around to different uh, celebrity chefs' places and um, talks about different techniques for the, you know, for the, uh, the young bachelor and how they can cook better. I did all the graphics for that. That's coming out in, um, in August, early August on the ABC. And I would never have had that opportunity if I'd stayed at Foxtel. You know, and I've, I've allowed me to use Mocha Pro, do a lot of tracking, and I've been able to learn so much more and try a lot more different things freelancing than I ever would have stuck in the same one, you know, one job. Yeah, it's um, the opportunities that come with freelancing are, are really exciting. Uh, I had Joey um, from the School of Motion and he's just recently released Freelance Manifesto. Mm. And uh, there's some really great information there on... Uh, I'm too scared to read it. You know why? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm scared that I'm going to read everything I'm doing wrong. <laughs> if you're getting work, you're not doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, true. And now it's time for the Pro Video Packs. Now we have a section each each episode where we ask the guests a few a few questions um, just to get a little bit of insight into things that you like and things that the audience might um, be interested in checking out as well. So we call this the Pro Video Picks. Um, we start with your Pro Video Pick of the week. So uh, John, what was your Pro Video Pick? Well, mine's pretty easy because uh, any of you who've been following me on. Uh, on MotionWorks on Twitter, know that I've been modeling this uh, steampunk gauntlet for the last six months. And uh, I finally got to texturing it, jumping into Substance Painter. And uh, I don't know, if you've used Substance Painter, you just don't want to do anything else. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of um, Allegorhythmics tutorials. And uh, some of these people that do this kind of stuff, just amazing. Some of these models and some of this texturing is just unbelievable. So if you're interested in doing any kind of texturing work at all, um, definitely take a look at um, you know the Allegorhythmic tutorials. Look at Substance Painter because um, if you like using it, you're going to love using Substance Painter. So definitely that's my um, my focus at the moment. Awesome. I've got a bit of time off and uh, that's my, my pro pick. Awesome, awesome. And who are you following online, John? I do follow Allegorhythmic mainly because um, – and I follow everyone on Twitter. That's, where, that's basically who I follow where, – where I follow – people and uh, I love that they do a lot of retweets of people's work because I get a lot of uh, inspiration from seeing some of this work that's coming out um, I'm also following uh, I follow Cineversity you know um, I follow Maxon uh, Nick, Nick Campbell uh, Chad Ashley uh, EJ all, all the usual suspects all the people that uh, uh, I feel of you know my peers but also that I look up to and learn from you've only got to follow you know strategically a certain amount of people to sort of really know what's going on. Um, but I am surprised at how every so often someone will pop up and uh, someone you have a look at, they've got, you know, thousands and thousands of followers and they're super, super talented. It always excites me to know that there's always more people out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, occasionally that happens as well. So Awesome. So um, we like to share a piece of video content that has inspired you. Do you have a have a piece of video that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I've been because I've been sitting here, as I mentioned, for the last eight weeks, you know, stuck in my office, you know, not getting out of my chair, uh, making tutorials. Oh, sorry, making uh, templates. 
I actually started watching a lot of TED videos, and I know it's probably, you know, maybe maybe that's a bit sort of retro because people probably discovered that a long time ago. But I hadn't, and I've been watching a number of them, and um, or some of them are more technical. I found the uh, some really inspirational ones, and there's some really good ones by veterans. I always find I'm always inspired by hearing veteran stories. Um, but I've listened a couple of times to you know, George Takei's uh, presentation. He's the you know, Sulu from the original Star Wars. And uh, he talked about his life um, as a young Japanese lad in the US during World War II. And uh, specifically, he mentions a, um, a Japanese battalion who, although they were segregated, ended up enlisting and uh, managed to take down one of Hitler's um, toughest strongholds, you know, and super inspiring. So I'm always looking up for stories about, about uh, courage under adversity. Um, and uh, I definitely de- recommend you listen to that because even thinking about it and talking about it now gives me goosebumps. Um, another one too, um, and I don't quite remember the gentleman's name off the top of my head, but um, I'm sure there'll be a link to it. It's about, uh, you know, um, classical music and uh let me just have a look, actually. I can't even remember the name. The Benjamin so. Zander's Passions and Fictions. Yeah. This, I've watched so many of them that I just can't quite, um, can't quite remember. But uh, terrific present, presenter, a really passionate presenter who talks about um, the power of classical music and uh, certainly got me back into listening to classical music while I've been working. Um, so always looking out for these inspirational... Um, inspirational you know talks so i don't necessarily and obviously i watch tutorials and that kind of thing but we can tend to get sort of bogged down in you know the grind of learning more and more and more and there's always more to learn i never can quite catch up it's nice to jump out and look at other things that inspire you because they end up you end up bringing that inspiration back into you know the motion design excellent excellent um, I've, I tried to make these uh, pro video picks quite generic because for those who are coming into the industry, you can look at the, the people making great content and think that they're just watching um, lots of other great content. But really the inspiration does come from what you say. It's external. It's outside of um, making keyframes or textures. It's, it's the world. It's relationships. It's, it's art. It's music. These are the things yep. that drive passion and inspire creatives. Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, it's not found just sitting at the computer, you know, 24-7. Really, that, that can end up being really quite um, detrimental. And I, I actually get out and I get out into the garden. I, I um, grow vegetables and that kind of thing. I think, I think you need to get, get out there and do something that's actually more physical. Yep. Get away from the computer. Use your hands. It's funny. I'm, a, I'm actually a licensed hairdresser. I left school in year 10 and became a ladies hairdresser and uh, did four-year apprenticeship and then hated it and stopped. But now I actually cut my children's hair and after you know, two decades of actual, actually being a designer on a computer, I brought a whole different approach to actually the physicality, the physical design of cutting hair and I actually really enjoy it. It's <laughs> funny, I, I didn't have any of that experience in the past but yeah. now actually cutting hair, I'm much more precise. You know, it's something about it is uh is quite appealing to me not that i want to be a hairdresser anymore but um certainly uh you need to be able to do stuff that you know with your hands you know pottery 
sculpting, painting, sketching. I think that's um, that's really important. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Maybe uh, make it look great series on um, here TD and uh, fur and sculpting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's right. Make it look great. Perming 101. <laughs> excellent. So where can the listeners find you, John? Where's the best place to go online to get in, to see what you're up to? Well, definitely follow me at MotionWorks on Twitter uh, and uh, also obviously at MotionWorks.net. Awesome. Thanks again so much, John, for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you, mate. Oh, you're welcome. You know, once you get me talking, it's pretty hard to make me stop. <laughs> <laughs> and to uh, see John's presentation, you better get in fast to book those no tickets. Um, there's going to be some great speakers and um, a lot of good giveaways as well. I, I see that um, there's going to be some Redshift licenses for Cinema 4D that will be given away at that, present, at that conference. Yeah, how exciting. I'm using the Alpha Redshift as well. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again, John. And thank you for listening to this, the Pro Video Podcast. If you could um, take a minute to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review and subscribe. That would mean so much. No one completely knows how Apple do their voodoo to make the algorithms work. We just know if you do those three things, more listeners will find the show and I'll really be appreciative. You can also find us at uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook group for the Pro Video Podcast and also a Slack group. Those links as well as all the other links for the show will be on the show notes. So you can check that out at theprovideopodcast.com and also a big shout out to World Podcast for their support and have a look at all the other great content and the other shows that are on worldpodcast.com. All right, everyone, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.